The reason that I did that is because three weeks ago we talked about how our relationship with God is much better than any human relationship we have. Okay, we talked about that three weeks ago. Uh, And tonight we're going to talk about distraction. Okay, I was distracting Colvin, right? I kept pointing over here at all the cameras so I could just throw it behind his left side because he's looking to the right. Simple distraction. That's what illusions and magic are. They're simple misdirection and distraction. A magician will get you looking at what they want you to look at so that they can do their trick while you're not paying attention. That's exactly what they do. So tonight we're going to dig deeper into the subject of our relationship with God and how it relates to other people. Um, and talk about how uh, our human relationships can distract us from our relationship with God. So, we're going to start off with our scripture, and it's, the, it's in Genesis chapter 3. We're going back to the beginning of the Bible. If you have the YouVersion app, you can pull it up. I do have them on there tonight. Uh, remember to do that this week. So, Genesis 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more craftier than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, this is Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So what happens here in Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6, basically is that the enemy, the devil in the form of the serpent, distracted Adam and Eve. He came up and he distracted Adam and Eve from their relationship with God, Right with, with his words, he came up and he tricked them and distracted them to get them off of their, their focus. And he wants to do the same thing to us. He wants to knock us, knock our focus away. All right, so tonight we're going to look at a few ways that the enemy distracts. How the enemy distracts is kind of the, kind of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. In fact, the, the title of our message is, look over there! And like half of y'all just looked. That was amazing. Uh, the message is, look over there. For, right, distraction. Here we go. So ways that the enemy distracts. First and foremost, the first thing he, the enemy does, he distracts by trying to get you to question God. The first thing he says to, to Eve is, did God really say that? Right? He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And, and today, when it comes to relationships, he'll say things like, did God really say that sex outside of marriage is wrong? He'll say, did God really say we shouldn't live with our boyfriend, girlfriend before we get married? Did God really say that we have to wait till we get married to do that stuff? Right? And and today the enemy uses culture to tell us that. Every TV show, they're hooking up before they're married, right? There's not a single TV show in the the world where people wait wait to get married before they start sleeping together. Uh, Movies, comedy, everything in our world tells us that it's okay to do that. But the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Notice that is not multiple choice. He does not say each man should have relations with his own wife or with that chick he met at the game last night or with that girl in first period. It does not say each guy, you know, like it's just 
Man with wife, wife with husband, period. There are no other options. So the first thing the devil will do is to try to get us to question God. The second thing the enemy distracts, the enemy distracts by distorting God's word. Again, in verse 1, he says, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, he knew good and well what God had said. He didn't, you know, God didn't say you can't eat from any tree. He said you can't eat from that tree. But the devil, he twisted God's word. He twisted God's word, and he said, Did God really say you shouldn't eat from any of those trees? And in in Eve's defense, she corrects him. In verse 2, she says, No. He said we can eat from all the trees except that one. So Eve actually did really good at that point. She passed the test at this point. She heard that he twisted God's words, and she corrected him. But God will do that in the world today, too. I mean, he has distorted, you know, God created marriage and romance and sex, but the world has totally changed what, what that what God intended it to look like. God intended it to be in marriage. That's what makes it unique. That's what makes it special. But the world tells us no. Do it often and early. Right? But God doesn't want that. God wants something better for us. Okay? How many of you guys want to go to the shoe store and buy a pair of shoes and open up that box and it looks like they've been worn by many, many people? That'd be gross, right? be really nasty, okay? Same concept. I'm not going to get any more specific than that, but you guys are getting me, all right? So, so when, you know, God intended for that to be a unique one-person-to-one-person experience, and when, we, when the world twists that and we believe that, that's not what God intended. Third thing the enemy distracts is by convincing you that God is not enough. The enemy said to her in verse 5, God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's like, listen, Eve, just having a relationship with God is not good enough. That's what he, he told her. They had more than enough food to keep them alive. They had the whole garden, all the animals. They had hundreds and maybe thousands of trees. I don't even know. We don't really know how big the Garden of, of Eden was. But but he had lots of, they had lots of food supply. But... The devil got Eve thinking, that's not enough. That is not enough. And, and it's the same thing. The world will try and tell you that you need a boyfriend or girlfriend, that you need to fool around before marriage, when that's not the case. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. That means enough, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient for you. Wes knows where I'm going with this because my dad has told us the story our whole lives. When he was a kid, he had a Sunday school teacher or a kid's church, something or other like that. And when he would use the word sufficient, he would describe it as like a kitten full of milk. You know how when you're, or when you or, or an animal has eaten a lot and you've had more than enough and you just like roll over, right? Like Thanksgiving after you've eaten a lot of turkey and you turn that football game on and then you're asleep like 40 seconds in, yeah, right? That's sufficient. It means you've had more than enough. And, and God says, my grace is more than enough for you. And yet we want to 
look for more. Like God is not enough. Like God is not the provider, which he is. I've heard it said this way, describing this portion of the, of the scripture. The serpent was craftier than any beast in the garden. He made a beeline for the tree line, and in less than 50 words, he convinced perfectly satisfied people they were starving to death. He convinced people who had more than enough. He convinced Adam and Eve that it was not enough. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He'll convince you, man, if you had a, if you had a boyfriend, you'd probably have more friends. Or, hey, man, if you were dating that girl, the guys would probably invite you to the parties and that kind of stuff. The, the world tells you that if you don't have that special someone, and Lord, with Valentine's Day coming up, we're going to see enough of that. And I say that as somebody who's engaged. But, you know, like, I, I mean... The world tries to convince us that that is, that we don't have enough, but we serve a God who is more than enough. He supplies all of our needs. The Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He makes sure that every flower in the field has its clothes, and he knows every hair on our head, and he's a good dad who wants to take care of his children. And some of you guys haven't had great experiences with your dads, and I hate that. But God is the father to the fatherless, the Bible says. And, and whatever you wanted your dad to be, or if you have a great dad, no matter what, God is way better than that. The enemy distracts by convincing us that God is not enough. Fourthly, the enemy distracts by flattering us with lies. The enemy distracts by flattering with lies. He wants us to think that we can be equal with God. That's what he told Adam and Eve. He said, if you eat of that tree, you will be like God. That's, that's, yeah, you will be like God. That's, that's exactly from the NIV. You will be just like God. And so uh, he wants us to, to think that we can be on God's level. But the fact is, we can't. God has a way bigger view than you or me or anybody else human. He has a much bigger perspective than we will ever have in our mortal lives. We're going to show you some pictures here. Okay, I'm going to show you some pictures. And, and we're going to look at the different perspectives. So anybody knows where that is? Egypt, Great Pyramids of Giza. Okay, desert, right? I mean, that's obviously taken in the desert. Well, let's give us the next picture. That's those same two pyramids right next to a big city. Because the overhead perspective shows you more. Yeah, if you take a picture from the city side, all you see is the desert behind the pyramids. But when you get that overhead view, all of a sudden you see that it's not quite what you thought it was. Here's another one. Beautiful country road, right? Joggers and bikers. and So, so nice. Well, let's give us the next one. That's in Central Park. Middle of New York City. Manhattan. B busiest city on the planet. Right? So we looked, we thought it was just a country road, but no. Central Park, okay? They do have a park. Give us another one, Wes. Anybody know where that is? Vegas, baby, yeah. Okay, Viva Las Vegas. Big city, lots of lights. Wes, give us the next one. In the middle of the desert and next to the mountains. Again, see, when we only have part of the picture, we can't see, and that's how God is. God has that overhead view. Go ahead and give us the next one. Oh, Cortland's back there. Give, give, give us the next one, Cortland. White House, right? Washington, D.C. Nice, big house. Give us the next one. Again, in the middle of the city, not, you know, smaller than most of the things around it. Not near as big as all those other buildings. D.C. is a great city. 
We got two more. This next one, you guys, some of y'all may have been to. The Alamo, right? San Antonio. But, and who's been in the Alamo? Just for kicks and giggles. Okay, most of us have been to the Alamo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But give us the next one. Again, looks like this big historic area. Nope, right in the middle of the big city. It's that small. Yeah, it's not even that big. It's that short and small that you can barely see it depending on your angle. All right, we got one last one. This one's really cool. I don't even know where this one is. I think it's in France somewhere. Um, Cool-looking castle, right? Like vampires. I don't know. Okay. It does kind of look like a Disney. Or Hogwarts, maybe. I don't know. So give us the next one there, Cortland. Boom, right there on the edge of the ocean. Like I said, I think that's in France is where that castle is. But see... We only get to see part of the picture. We can see it from ground level. But God has the overhead view of all these things. God sees so much more, and he sees what's really off to the side. He sees what's really out there and, and knows far better and can see far more than what we can see. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. When we can't see it, he can. When we can't do it, he can. When we don't understand it, understand it, he can. We can't understand it. We can't. Y'all know what I meant. One more. We got. I got one more point here. The enemy distracts by turning good things into God things. The enemy distracts by turning good things into God things. When I say God things, that means the things that we put first, the things that get highest priority in our lives. You guys think fruit is bad? No, not really. You might not like it, but it's not bad. And yet God said, hey, this particular fruit, don't eat of it. Just, just don't eat off this tree, okay? Because it was outside the will of God, that made it bad for Adam and Eve. And, and so I need you to hear me. I'm not saying don't ever date, okay? That's not, I'm not saying dating is bad, but dating in the wrong context, dating outside of God's will is a problem. Okay, because here's the problem. When we're young, when we're too young and we date, we, we tend to put all of our relational uh, contentment, we put all of our joy, all of our happiness on that person. And when that person it has control of our emotions, then they have become more important in our lives than God is, and they're in the wrong place, okay? If my fiancé is the reason I wake up in the morning, and that sounds like a Hallmark Valentine's Day card, but if she's the reason I wake up in the morning, I've given her a responsibility that she's not equipped to handle. If we put our happiness and our contentment on other people, whether it be your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your grandma, your grandpa, your boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, fiance, husband, wife, it doesn't matter who they are. When we put our happiness and our contentment and our joy on that person, they are not made to handle that. And they will eventually let it down. And so when we, when we take things in the wrong priority place, it goes sideways, and it goes bad very quickly. Romance in the proper context of marriage is amazing, but when relationships and romance get in front of Jesus on our priority list, they become harmful to us or out of God's will. So here's, here's kind of where we're going to begin to wrap it up. How many of you have been wondering why there's a puppet with a lucha mask? How many of y'all have been, been okay. The only reason that is there was to distract you. I'm not going to pick it up. I'm not going to use it. I brought it 
simply to make the point that whatever is in front of us, we will look at. And so I would encourage all of you to not allow the enemy to distract you like the luchador puppet. Yes, he's a puppet with an FSU luchador mask on. The things that are in front of our eyes are the things we look at. And so we need to protect our eyes. We need to watch the things that we are looking at. We need to keep, keep track and make sure that we're not putting stuff in front of our eyes that's going to distract us. Some of y'all are going to have to go home and listen to this podcast because you didn't hear a word I was saying because of that thing. Some of y'all missed the whole thing, but that's okay. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, not just like put to the side. Right, it's one thing to put something to the side. It's not that far away. Right, if I put my phone down at night before I go to bed, how many of y'all sleep with your phone right near you? Right, you set it down. I do too, so my hand's right there. Okay, you put it down right near you. That's one thing. You ever get mad and throw your phone? I mean, I hope not. I hope not. I don't, but I, I, I've never gotten that mad. Yes, yeah, some of your parents would, would murder you if you murdered your phone. But when we throw off something, it is no longer close to us. So the Bible says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's the big thing. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. If we're focused on Jesus, our relationships will come into focus when he's ready for them to. Put Jesus in front of your eyes. Put the word in front of your eyes. Listen to songs that glorify Jesus. And I'm not saying don't ever listen to secular songs because y'all know, you know, I'm in a band, we sing secular, whatever. But, but if we're not putting the things of God close enough that they can drown out that other stuff when the going gets tough, we've got our focus wrong. And tonight, to, to end with... I'm going to focus on how we can put the word in front of us. You guys have heard me. If you've been here long at all, you have heard me talk about how important it is to read the Bible. Okay, and I've talked about the church's Bible reading plan that we're doing. I, if you want to do that, jump in. There's calendars on the front desk downstairs. You can look at it on our church website, our calendar. There's the app. There's like 40 ways to find that. Um, but if you don't want to do that, say, you know, we're already kind of a month in. I don't want to jump in in the middle. That's awesome because I am going to start uh, starting tomorrow. We, as a youth group, I would like all of you to do this, to read a chapter of John. Okay? John has 21 chapters. It will take us three weeks. It will not take you that long. They're not forever long chapters. But we're going to... Read a chapter each day for the next three weeks. And here's how you can read the Bible so that it sticks. Because it's one thing to just read and you like speed reading because you're like, okay, I've got to mark this off my to-do list for the day. So I'm going to speed read through this and I take five minutes to read 12 chapters and I wasn't paying attention and none of it stuck. I've been there. Done that many times in my life. Okay, I'm not proud of it. Just it is what it is. But we're gonna, the reason we're only going to read one chapter a day is because I want us to, to let it sink in. And here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do what's called the SOAP method. Okay? I brought my journal from home and left it down in my truck. I was going to show you guys. But I encourage you guys to write this stuff out. And I'll, I'll explain here what I'm talking about when I say write it out. But, but uh, 
Get a journal, get a notebook, get flash, whatever you want to write on. Get a sticky note, although it's probably up to you several. But get something to write on as you're reading, and this will stick, and it will help us focus on the Word and on what God has said to us. So here's how it works. The S in SOAP, anybody want to guess what it stands for? Scripture, yes. She's, she's shocked. I was right. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, the S stands for Scripture. That simply means what Scripture are you reading today? Tomorrow we're going to read John 1. Okay, tomorrow we're going to read John 1. And actually, Wes, on this table I have note cards or a yeah, little, you know, quarter page note cards. that should have more than enough for everybody. If you will help make, make sure those get, get passed out so that everybody has one. You can even use this as a bookmark if you have a paper Bible you want to read. I would encourage you to use a paper Bible because your paper Bible does not receive texts. And so, uh, and it does not have the internet. So, it would not hurt to start this with a paper oil. So, number one, Scripture. Number two, observe. This is where we take, you know, I, okay, so I read the Scripture. What jumped out at me? That's the question. What jumped out at me in that Scripture? In, the, in John 1, in the chapter of John 1, something is likely to jump out at you and kind of stick in your mind. For me, when I think of John 1, I always think of the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I don't know the rest, but I got John 1, 1 down. But you read through John 1. Something sticks out at you. So then, so here's, here's what you do on your journal, paper, whatever. At the beginning is right, John 1. If you're like me, you write a date because I'm anal about things like that, and I want to be able to go back and reference it later. But So I would write February the 4th, 2016, John chapter 1. Underneath that, I'd write out the scripture that stuck into my head. Okay, if it was one verse, you might even handwrite the whole thing out. If it's a section, you write, you know, John 1, verses 10 through 6, 6, 16, or whatever it is. Okay, so that's the third, the second section is observe. Find a section that sticks out in your mind. And it, uh, I was going to ask what to guess. You guys have it. A, for apply. So now you write out, okay, how does this affect my life today? And John is super easy for this. John is really good for this. That's why we're going to start with John. I'm not going to start with, like, Leviticus. And the sacrifices were as such. No, that's, that's hard to apply, I'll admit. I've been a Christian 20-some years. I still, I still struggle to apply Leviticus to my daily life. John, easy to apply. So read through the book of John. Pick a specific portion or, or verse that sticks out at you. Write down, okay, how can I apply this into my daily life? And then the P is a prayer. God, help me to apply this. God, help me, you know, maybe the Scripture will bring a specific person to mind. God, help me to, to treat them the way that, you know, whatever, however God will lead you. But if you will do this for the next three weeks, you will end up with a much better understanding of Scripture, of how it applies to our lives on a daily basis. Because I know the Bible's a big book, and it's confusing. And so instead of trying to digest the whole thing all at once tomorrow we're going to do john 1 and we're going to digest a little section of it and we're going to let that section that verse whatever it may be sink in then the next day we're going to go to john 2 same thing okay you know what is this what jumps out at me how does it apply to my life and then pray that it that that takes hold and if you guys will do this for three weeks then on february the 20 fourth you will you will come to youth that night 
and you will realize, okay, this is, there's more to the Bible than I thought. Some of you, it's the first time you've ever really read the Bible, and that's awesome. I'm so happy for you guys because there's so much good in it. So we're going to do that for the next three weeks. We're going to focus on the Word. And you know what? This whole thing doesn't have to take an hour. It's like 10 or 15 minutes to read through it, see what jumped out at you, figure out how you can apply that and pray through it. You know, 10 to 15 minutes a day. If y'all are in the junior highs, they give you a period of the day where there's nothing scheduled. Actually, the high schools too. Y'all do something in your owl time, whatever it is. Either way, okay. Owl time, life class, whatever. Nimitz has a version of it. I can't remember what it's called. But point being, you can find 15 minutes in your day to do this. Even if it's right before you bed, because and it's better than just just praying before you go to bed, because then you fall asleep. But if you do it this way and you're writing stuff down, it'll keep you awake. So so even if it's right before you go to bed tomorrow night or when you wake up, take 10 or 15 minutes and apply this, uh, this soap method to your Bible reading, and I think you'll be shocked at how much you get out of it and how much it will affect your day-to-day life. So let's pray. Let's, let's pray for focus. Let's pray that the distractions of this world will not get in our way. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you loved us enough to die for us when we didn't deserve it and we hadn't asked for it. Lord, I thank you that you took our uh, punishment. God, and while, yes, our actions have consequences, you took the ultimate punishment and, and took it for us. Lord, I pray that we would not forget that. God, I pray that we would focus on you. I pray that we would not allow the distractions of this world to, to draw us away from you. Because the world, the culture that we live in today wants that so bad. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes on you. God, give us discipline to apply the soap method this week. Even those that have never, never read the Bible before. God, I pray that, that through this time they would come to see you in a, in a new way. Lord, and they would come to have a deeper understanding of who you are and the way that you've loved us. I pray that uh, you would just help us to recognize the distractions. Lord, help us to see when the culture and the enemy is just trying to turn our gaze to the right or to the left and that we would have the strength to fight against that. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us closer to you through your word. God, we would spend time with it and with you and we would come to know you deeper and to know you more and that you would have a bigger and bigger influence on our day-to-day lives, Lord, that, that our love for you would be uh, an, an, an effect that, that takes place throughout every aspect of our, of our lives. It would not just be something that we quarantine on Sundays and Wednesday nights or even during our 15 minutes of Bible time, Lord, but that it would pervade and it would uh, take over the entirety of our days, Lord, and that people would see as we do our homework and as we participate in extracurriculars and as we socialize and as we deal with the people around us that in every every earthly action is affected and is is influenced by you God God I just pray that you would have your way in all of our lives that uh, you would be the primary focus of our day and of our thoughts God we know that you your plans are way better than what we could imagine and so, God, we want to walk in those. We want to stay in your will. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.